Hey guys, it's Corey from Redefining Strength. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast. Today I want to talk about some hacks to help you get better results. And I want to talk about these different changes that actually meet you where you're at. Because I think so often we think we have to make these sweeping overhauls of everything we're doing in order to get the results that we want. And this ultimately keeps us stuck. I always say, you know, it's those 1% improvements that add up. And I thought it was really funny the other day when a client was like, team 1%. But it is true. Those 1% changes are truly what snowball and lead to the results we want. And I want to talk about the mindsets that can help us embrace this outlook on life instead of being all or nothing, all or nothing people, as well as some uh, different hacks from Michelle in order to improve the nutritional value of your food. And then even different ways to create progression through the same but different in your workouts that will be changes and improvements, but not necessarily changing your overall workouts that you're even doing right now. So let's jump right in. So we all want the tactics, the actions we can take to make the changes to see the results we want. It's why we get really excited at a new program and then make this sweeping overhaul of everything in our lifestyle. It's also what keeps us stuck because so often we first don't step back and say, where am I at currently? And what are 1% improvements I can make based on where I'm at? Because when we actually look at our current lifestyle, we might realize that what we're requesting ourselves to do or requiring ourselves to do is so far outside our comfort zone that we're gonna have to use so much willpower to do it that ultimately we're gonna get depleted, especially when our motivation runs out. So I really do want you to think of changing your mindset first before you even approach making changes in terms of the tactics or the actions that you're doing. I know it's tempting to be an all or nothing person. I made this excuse for the longest time. Well, if I can't do it perfectly, I might as well wait till Monday instead of starting on Friday. If I can't do it perfectly, I might as well wait till this next month. Or why start this a few days before vacation because I'm going on vacation, right? All the excuses because I couldn't do a program perfectly instead of realizing, hey, if I can make one change now, when I get back from vacation, when it's perfect on Monday, I can make more changes. And it might not lead to the fast overnight results that we're seeking, but ultimately those results don't last. They hit a plateau anyway. We haven't made actual changes. It's why we keep ourselves stuck in this change loop where we're like, oh, I'm working super hard, super excited, make all these changes. And we think we have to rely on willpower and motivation and that we just don't have the willpower and motivation of somebody else. It's because we never build discipline, but discipline isn't something that's either given to us genetically or truly built. Discipline is not having to rely on willpower and motivation because we've made changes through those 1% improvements. We've said, hey, instead of trying to shoot for eight glasses of water when we're not drinking one, we say, hey, I'm gonna have one glass of water this morning. Or hey, I'm even gonna remember to have a sip of water before I go to bed because I forgot all day. That 1% improvement is what's going to snowball. And if we can start doing those small things daily, then all of a sudden we're doing them and we build that momentum. And then the next day we're like, okay, well, I've you know, been doing this, so then I'll be doing this other thing. Probably it's not the next day, but the next week or the next month. But you can make those 1% improvements that really snowball and allow you not constantly to have to rely on willpower to replicate them. But before you can even do those actions, it's embracing this mindset shift and taking yourself out of the equation for just a second to be like, okay, I've always repeated this pattern of all or nothing. How can I instead assess where I am and then figure out 1% changes that will really add up and almost feel so easy. I want to do more over feeling so overwhelmed. I just don't do anything. I'm super excited to talk with Michelle about how to get more nutritional value out of the foods we're eating from how we meal prep them. So Often we don't think about the cooking methods we're doing other than the fact that we're cooking something to eat it, right? So can you talk a little bit about, Michelle, like different ways we can actually prep foods to get the best results from our fueling? Yeah, so there's a few things that I always like to talk to people. And I think in this 
in this life where a lot of times, you know, we try to talk about and we glorify kind of the hustle and the busy lifestyle. Sometimes we overdo things and overcomplicate things where it's often sometimes taking the lazier route when it comes to like cooking and prepping can actually give you main more bang for your buck, especially when it comes to the nutrients and kind of getting the most nutrients and being able to increase nutrient absorption. So a few big tips is one, leave the skin on your fruits and vegetables. If you, if that's not something that you don't mind consuming, but also there's a lot of times where truthfully we're taking out a lot of some vitamins and minerals, but fiber when we tend to pill our fruits and vegetables. So making sure you're eating the skin off your apples, you're eat, even, I know some people are ick with this, but even eating the skin of a potato is going to be ways to help increase your fiber. And I've known, we've mentioned this in the past, but fiber is really a great way to make sure that we are also staying satiated. And that's a big thing that I see when people are trying to lose weight, they kind of misstep where they are not putting the emphasis on the fiber to make sure that they're staying well so well satiated. Fiber is so key to our gut health to actually help us get better fat loss results as well. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to anybody, but if you're Ryan, you even eat the skin of the kiwi. So there's lots of different skins of fruits that are edible and potentially valuable. Not to mention a lot of times when we are removing the skin, we're juicing things. And when we're doing that, we're going to more easily consume too many calories, potentially too many carbs. We're not going to feel as full just from the fact that we're drinking our calories. So it's even thinking about how can you be satisfied from even taking in the bites and more bites of food when you're in that calorie deficit too. Yeah, I know we put a lot of emphasis on avoiding processed foods, but sometimes we can ourselves over processed foods past an extent that they're not going, I mean, they're still going to be fine, but they're going to lose some of their nutritional value because of our processing. Juicing is a great example of that. And, and then in terms of like cooking vegetables, there's some different techniques that are often demonized, like the microwave, but also some nuance to how we can cook those to get more nutritional value out, out of them. And I wanted you to touch a little bit on both of those things. Yeah, steaming and microwaving vegetables are actually a great way to keep in a lot of the vitamins and minerals that we tend to lose when we are either boiling them or frying them, even sometimes sauteing them because we a lot of vegetables and fruits even have high amounts of water-soluble vitamins and those actually will become oftentimes destroyed while we're cooking them and overcooking them. So that's another big thing is we actually want to undercook our vegetables too if we are planning on kind of meal prepping batches because if you're going to be adding extra heat later, you don't need to cook it to the point of doneness that you typically would. Actually slightly undercooking it when you know you're going to be reheating them. And then the other option that you brought up was being able to pair foods with items that are going to actually help you absorb vitamins better. So a big thing is fat soluble vitamins. So that's going to be your vitamin K, A, D, and E. And just like they're called, they are better absorbed if you consume fat sources with them. So things like, you know, carrots are going to be better in olive oil, maybe a little bit of butter if you like that. But vitamin A and vitamin K oftentimes are going to be leafy green vegetables. Making sure you're having like an olive oil-based dressing served with them are going to actually help you absorb those fat-soluble vitamins better. And 
with the meal prep and even like steaming or microwaving and having them not be fully cooked, I even like to take frozen vegetables and I'll have cooked the meat, I'll have cooked maybe a carb or source, like maybe rice or potatoes. And then I'll even just take the frozen vegetables and put them in that freezer meal that I'm like gonna have. And then I'll even later heat them up using that to steam them and cook them, right? Because it's like they're frozen, they're at like potentially picked at the peak of ripeness. I don't have to worry about them going bad. I don't have to worry about overcooking them. And so there's a lot of little hacks you can do to make sure that you're meal prepping in an efficient way and getting the most out of all the food you're consuming. Yeah. And for utilizing frozen fruits and vegetables, you, I mean, you touched on it. They're picked and frozen at the peak ripeness. So oftentimes if you're, especially now where we're headed into the fall and winter, where we're going to be out of season for a lot of fruits and vegetables, making sure you're taking advantage of those frozen foods, even though they may be a little bit slightly more processed because they've been pro- frozen, they actually are probably going to provide you more nutrients um, than if you were to buy them fresh during their off season. Another tip you uh, mentioned for meal prepping, which this is a little fancy for me, but sous vide cooking. And I think this is super interesting because it's not a technique I've necessarily considered before, even though I'm like aware of it. And I'll be curious to see how many people do this already, but there's some benefits to it that I was surprised by. Yeah. So I know not everyone has one, but it is a little bit beneficial because one, it actually does cook fairly quickly if you've ever used one. But because it's cooked in a water bath, it's at the precise temperature, it actually allows you to kind of control the environment that you're cooking your foods in a little bit more than on the stove. But it also helps retain the maximum nutritional value of your food that's being cooked. So this, I mean, of course, you can use meat and things like that, and it will preserve those better as well. But even fruit, again, I'm saying fruits, but most of the time people are cooking their vegetables. So it'll also make sure that you are keeping those water soluble vitamins as well within the vegetable. I have to admit it is tempting now with the fact that it helps you get more out of your foods and it's really quick and easy. And maybe Ryan won't accuse me of burning everything. Uh, Maybe I should get one and try it out. They're fun. They're, they're a lot of fun to use. I have one and uh, we like to play around with it for sure. And that, I mean, this is like a slight tangent, but I think that's also a big thing is when we think about going on a, a diet, right? Making dietary changes to lose fat, to gain muscle for an aesthetic reason, we sort of lose the fun in our cooking versus that's like, that's what makes us feel like it's more restrictive versus when we're just cooking, you know, we're cooking delicious things, but you can find different ways to make healthy foods fun and not feel restricted by even investigating some of these other cooking methods to make potentially really nice date night chicken, right? Chicken doesn't have to be bland and boring. We can make these things that are delicious meals that have a lot of nutrient density to them, but it might take exploring other cooking options, other types of recipes than we usually turn to. Yeah. I often talk to clients about kind of sometimes they get, I call it like protein fatigue, but it's really just because they're eating one item over and over and over again, whether it's, you know, the chicken breast with the rice and the broccoli, you know, kind of the typical dieting meal. But we have to have those conversations of like, you can still get these macros in a variety of ways. And I do think while meal prep can help avoid some of that, um, the choice fatigue too, the mental fatigue that you can kind of be affronted with when you're constantly trying to think about food, there's still a lot of ways that you can add things to change it up and make it exciting, whether that's sauces and, and again, even focusing on different type of oil-based sauces and dressings to kind of 
be able to absorb some of those fat soluble vitamins, but really making your food exciting, dieting and trying to consume foods that are going to help you with weight loss does not need to be boring. I like diversity of hot sauce. If I can't even say diversity, but I love even different hot sauces on things. It makes it fun. Like there's a lot of little ways you can tweak things to give yourself that, that fun to the meal so that they're not bland and boring. And this is just a little side tangent too, but also even using things like vegetable broth, vegetable broth within your grains, within your rice, just to add a little extra flavor. That's also going to add a little bit more nutrients to those items as well. So many ways and little like hacks you can find. And I'll be curious to see, I'd love for you guys to comment like what you've even tried because there's so many different ways. And the more we share different perspectives, the more we even get those creative juices going, which Brings me to the next uh, sort of like meal prep hack to get more out of your food, which I thought was interesting because so often we demonize processing. And as the word of the year has become nuance, and as we've talked about in a lot of episodes, there's so much nuance to these things, right? We talked about GMOs and the nuance and what GMOs really are. And even with processing, there's nuance. And I was actually fascinated to start this conversation about the meal prep hacks off of finding out that smoking fish might actually make it even better because that's not something I considered. I consider that to be more processed even in my head. Yeah. So smoking fish can actually preserve the omega-3 fatty acids better. So this makes it, I think it just makes it more, again, a little bit of a lazy hack too, because that's something that you can often purchase within the store is just something like a smoked salmon. But this adds a nutritious and flavorful addition to your meals as well. And a little bit less effort on on your part. And now you can know that you can do it and you're actually going to be getting more omega-3 fatty acids versus just cooking the fish yourself, which is a little bit more of a hassle. It makes it very easy. It is that grab and go snack. Like I mentioned, like even grabbing cocktail shrimp, right? There's certain things that if they're just cooked and you can just grab them and snack on them, Maybe if you want to be kind to your coworkers, maybe you're not bringing in fish, I guess. I don't know, whatever. But at the same time, it's delicious. You can get even those extra, like, I mean, we so often talk about getting more omega-3s, right? Because it's a struggle. And this is a way you don't have to cook fish even if you don't like it, but you can really get that bang for your buck and make some pretty freaking tasty meals too. Yeah. And I'm one of the, maybe I'm weird in this sense, but I actually don't mind eating smoked fish, like smoked salmon cold. Like that's not something that I would reheat. So if you're worried about eating fish in the office, that actually would be my recommendation because it's not going to get so stinky. That's true. I eat it cold too, but I I don't know if that smells still too too much. I've been out of the office too long, but anyway, uh, you mentioned at the beginning, you know, eating stuff with the skin on, uh, but when we're even like I mean, I think that's really key because we don't want to juice and everything. Um, But in terms of like skin on for like protein sources, there's some debate with that. Any opinions with that? I just wanted to touch on that with like in terms of like skin on chicken and different things like that. Yes, it's going to change the fat content, but is there any nutritional value even with that? Yeah, absolutely. There's always going to be extra vitamins and minerals um, in every food that you're kind of consuming. So it's really just going to be based on your goal at the end of the day. So yeah, you can definitely eat some chicken skin, but oftentimes it's going to be more of a saturated fat. So typically we want to consume, of course, more unsaturated fat. So I typically would recommend people to avoid the skin um, on animal proteins just because of that. But to say that you're not going to get any benefit would be false too, because you can definitely enjoy some of that and 
like I said, it's going to provide that fat that you can also be able to consume more of that fat soluble vitamins as well. So it's not necessarily bad. It can be a little bit of a preference. So if you are someone that does just like chicken skin and the, you know, the crispiness that it has, you can still enjoy that. That I would just recommend that most of your fat is coming from, of course, unsaturated fat sources. Again, the nuance. And I wanted to bring that up because I think when we say eat the skin, that would be a question people will have. Like, what about the skin on the animal protein? And I even think that's such a key point. Like, okay, well, maybe if you do need the extra fat, yes, it might not be like the same as your heart healthy omega-3 fat, but it could still have a its role in helping you digest more nutritional value from other things, make your diet sustainable, help you hit your fat macros, make your meals enjoyable, give you that diversity if you're sick of chicken breast, right? There's so many opportunities and little nuances to things. And too often we just label things as good and bad. And just to kind of go off that too, because I know people hear collagen and they're like, yes, I need to have more collagen. Well, collagen is often coming from like the skin and the scales and those type of things too. So that is where if you were trying to eat more collagen, that's actually where the part of the animals you would be eating to consume more of that as well. So definitely some benefits there. Cost and reward. So, but next meal prepping thing. And this is something I am extremely, extremely guilty of because I am, well, according to Ryan, I burn everything, but extremely guilty of, and it's overcooking things. Why is this bad? So this is just going to go back to the thing that, that the longer you cook something, the more likely that you are going to have vitamin and mineral loss. So water-soluble vitamins, I know I kind of mentioned it earlier, they are actually extremely sensitive to high heat and prolonged heat. So if you're trying to cook your vegetables and you are cooking those vegetables too mushed, you are actually going to be degrading some of those water-soluble vitamins. And I know a lot of us get plenty of vitamin C, but I'm just using this as an example. Vitamin C is one of the easiest vitamins that you can actually lose. Thankfully, a lot of us get enough of it from our fruits that we're able to eat raw or our vegetables that we're able to eat raw. But it's one of the biggest things that's actually destroyed within cooking. So don't be lazy. Use different pans for different things that need different heat is what you're telling me. Or cook my protein on the stovetop so I can potentially overcook that and then steam everything else in the microwave. Exactly. Okay. And then the last hack you had was really interesting. And you mentioned making overnight oats, which is something I had never thought about. Can you explain a little bit more why overnight oats can be so good? So, I mean, this has been kind of a craze, which I think it deserves its spot for sure, because you're able to add a lot of protein to it. It's an easy grab and go in the morning. But one thing that a lot of people don't know is actually being able to soak your oats breaks down the phytic acid. And this actually inhibits mineral absorption, such as iron, zinc, magnesium, calcium. So oats are great, but it's going, if you consume oats, you're going to have that phytic acid. So really making sure that you are soaking them. Ashley is going to decrease that and make it a little bit easier for you to absorb those really important minerals like iron, zinc, and magnesium. And sprouting, if, you, if you're like, eh, I don't really like the overnight oats, not my thing. Even buying sprouted oats is actually a great alternative for this because that's going to also decrease the phytic acid if you're already purchasing it that way. And sprouted oats also have a little bit more nut- nutrient value to it and a little bit more protein to them. It's nice to know that we can 
be a little bit lazy and get more nutritional value out of things. Like the overnight oats are a great way to, whether you work in Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, you know, a protein powder, whether you add berries, chia seeds, like there's so many ways to make them hit your macros and you can prep them for the week and have this easy grab and go snack. That's very filling as well, but it also even gets, helps you get more out of the foods you're consuming. Yes, exactly. That, and that's kind of the point is we want to be able to not just get the more bang for our buck, but we also, if we are going to implement these things, you're going to find yourself feeling a little bit better just because little things add up. These little tweaks are going to make it so that you are getting more of those vitamins and minerals. And while we always want to focus on macros first, if we do want those aesthetic goals, especially the micronutrient intake is so key to making sure that our body functions well so that we can actually see the best results as fast as possible because we want to treat it like a sports car, not like a broken down, run down car. Uh, so like the, the last tip, uh, again, makes my lazy heart happy and it's batch cooking things, but specifically you mentioned legumes and grains. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things because, and maybe it's just because I'm lazy when it comes to this. There's so many times that I'll get ready to sit down for dinner and I have forgotten to start the the rice that was going to be paired with the meal, or I want to add beans to the side to kind of give it a little bit of a boost, but really making sure that you batch cook these things. One, it's easier because they're so simple to add to meals that are already, that you're already going to have to boost those meals. But a big thing is, is when you cook and cool legumes and grains, these really carb heavy um, items, you actually increase the resistant starch in them. So even if you cool it down and you reheat it, you have still increased that resistant starch and resistant starches do not break down. So this allows it to kind of actually ferment in your large intestine. And I know some people are thinking that's a bad thing, but that actually is a good thing because it allows the good bacteria to actually feed on these starches and it makes it so that you are actually able to create, have more good bacteria multiply and it boosts your overall gut health. So you'll get less constipation. This also because of a resistant starch also helps decrease cholesterol levels. It's just a great way to kind of get those added benefits. And of course you're, it's, starches and legumes, sorry, grains and legumes are excellent sources of fiber and vitamins and minerals as well. So it's really just a great way to make your week a little bit easier, adding in some extra fiber, but also getting some gut health benefits and lowering cholesterol levels as well. And getting to be lazy because it's really hard and annoying, not that hard, but it's annoying enough that I don't want to do it often to make a single portion for something. So having that excuse that I can bulk prep it, then be able to take the portion I need, even adjusting the portion based on what I've done earlier in the day, it makes it very, very easy. And it's that added health benefit as well. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. These were great tips to not only help us meal prep more easily, uh, include a diversity of foods, but also get more nutritional value and really bump our micronutrient intake even consuming things we're already consuming. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Often when I'm sharing workout tips, it's a new workout design to try. It's a new technique to try. And you do feel like you have to either redo the workouts you're doing currently or wait till your next progression to do them. Especially if you are designing progressions, which hopefully you are and not just stringing workouts randomly together, but it takes a, a bit of revamping to implement them. So I wanted to talk about ways that you can take your workouts right now and potentially increase the value of them through challenging yourself. 
Because if we want to grow muscle, if we want to get in better shape, we have to constantly challenge ourselves and make their progression in the movements, right? We can't just keep doing 20 reps of the same move with the same weight and expect ourselves to get stronger. We're not challenging ourselves to tear things down. And just because they move feels hard doesn't mean it's even necessarily challenging us to the maximal extent that it could to see the best results as fast as possible. So I want to talk about how you could take your current workouts and potentially create more progression in the movements without just adding loads. Because I do think that's another thing we always default to. Well, I don't have weight, so I can't challenge myself more, or I don't know if I can do a heavier weight, or we're even potentially fearful of doing a heavy weight because we haven't passed that point. So there's so many other ways we can create progression, whether it's that we don't have them, we don't feel comfortable with it, whatever else. We're in between weights, right? So we can't yet get to the next one with proper form. But these different forms of progression are something you can implement today with the current moves you're doing. The first type is changing up type of load. Okay, so I actually even got this comment on an Instagram post where I did four different ways to create progression, where she's like, I can't see how that band resistance is equal to the weights. A, you can use lighter bands than you use weights, but you can also use heavier bands than you use weights. You can apply just as much resistance with a band as you can with dumbbells, especially if you get a, the different resistance bands that you can attach all to the same handles. You can make those things freaking really heavy and intense. So don't think that bands are going light because they aren't. They also apply tension in different ways. Dumbbells are based on gravity, okay? Resistance in the band actually increases as you stretch the band out, which is generally where the muscle's strongest. So you're applying resistance in a different way. And even by doing sometimes the same but different, we're having to stabilize in a different way. We're having to engage in a different way. We're having to establish that mind-body connection in a different way. So you'll be surprised by even using a comparable load, sometimes in a different tool, you are challenged in a new way and you find you even get sore from that new, right? And not that we should be seeking to be sore, but I'm saying that is a, a that shows you how much it is really different, even if it's not more in that clear progression in terms of resistance. But you can, it doesn't have to be bands, it can be cables, it can be kettlebells, but by creating a different balance, a different resistance, a different type of resistance, you're going to create progression. And then it's not even just either or. Say you have a pair of dumbbells and you have a light resistance band, and you're like, okay, well this band isn't more than my dumbbells, but I don't have more dumbbells to go up. Combine the two. Right? By using two different types of resistances, you're not only getting the benefits of the loads of the dumbbells and now adding extra load through the band, but you're creating that different type of tension. I love, and this is one of my favorite moves that I've been including recently, is the landmine RDL with the band as well. And that load plus that different tension, if I can't and I'm sort of stuck in between weights, that band creates that much more resistance and makes me control the move that much more. It's a great way to emphasize even the eccentric, okay? But change of types of loads. And you can do this to any move you're doing currently. You don't have to make a big search for a new best exercise, go get any fancy equipment. You can just change up with the types of loads that you have on hand. The other thing I wanted to talk about is changing up tempos, okay? I love going to the eccentric, especially when we are talking about building muscle and establishing the mind-body connection. By slowing down the lengthening portion of that movement, so where you're lengthening the muscle, you can create more time under tension, more muscle tissue damage. This can help with muscular growth. It can also be a great way to progress movements if you're sort of stuck in between two levels of pull-up or push-up because we are stronger in that eccentric portion. And I'll hear people be like, yes, slowing down is the best. Okay, yes it is, it's fabulous. But changing up tempos doesn't mean just slowing them down. It could mean adding in an isometric hold in them. I love doing a controlled squat down at the bottom, making a client hold there and then even stand back up, right? That makes you really control the weight too. I also like speeding things up. And you know, 
we, we think about this as, you know, only with cardio workouts, but sometimes that explosive power work is what we need. Sometimes going faster with the movement to show that we can recruit muscles quickly is very, very valuable. Okay. We can't deny the importance of being able to recruit things efficiently and quickly as well. It's not just about slowing things down. So if you're only slowing things down, think about changing up the tempo to speeding things up. Don't demonize one tempo and even combine a, diff a few different, maybe you slow it down and speed it up. Maybe you speed it up with a pause, right? There's different ways to create progression through different tempos, especially if you are working with body weight stuff, you can spend more time on attention by changing up those tempos. Another technique I like that you can use with anything you're doing currently is rest pause technique. So a lot of times when we see in our workouts, you know, rep ranges of eight to 12 reps, we might do the 12 reps with the weight and be like, okay, I was challenged. We might also stop at 12 and we really should have done 15 with the weight. But if you can do 12 reps with that weight, I would encourage you to work down in, in reps and add weight. So if you have extra loads there, work down in weight, uh, reps and add weight. So maybe you max out now at eight reps and you've done eight reps with this weight for the entire thing. You get to that final round and you can't do eight reps. So you think, oh, I shouldn't have done eight reps. It was too heavy. No, that's perfect. Okay. Do the eight reps or do the six reps you could do pause for two, uh, uh, 10 to 15 seconds, and then do the two reps to complete the eight. This is where, you know, you might have loads, but you might be in between weights or can't fully get to the bottom of the rep range, but that's the way you really maximize and challenge yourself. Not by constantly hitting 12 reps the entire time. Of course you can go up and wait at that 12 reps and see where you sort of max out where then you hit 10, right? If that's where you're more comfortable, if that's the form that you're working on and how, uh, your experience level allows you to go that heavy, right? Maybe you don't have stuff to challenge at eight, but you do want to think about how can I challenge myself going down reps to then earn the top rep range. That's double progression through adding weight and also earning more reps with that weight. But then using that rest pause technique is a great way to maximize that rep range. So if you even did say hit 12 with each one, hit 10 on the last one, pause for 10 to 15 seconds, finish those last two reps to get 12 out. You're using that rest pause technique to get out a few more reps with a weight that you couldn't do in a row. Okay. This is also great to correct imbalances. If you have one stronger side and one weaker side, and you can do the heavier weight with the weaker side, but not the same number of reps as with the stronger side. Okay. The other things in terms of progression, which you can do with the current moves that you're doing is just simply change of postures. If you're doing say like a glute bridge with abduction, so you're pressing out against the band as you're doing that glute bridge and you're only pressing out at the top, try lifting, doing the bridge, going back down and pressing out at the bottom when you're lying down. That's different degrees of hip flexion right there. And it might seem like a very small change, but you're going to feel it in a different place in your glute medius. And you might even find that you're able to better engage the glute medius in one over the other, which means you need to work on the mind body connection in that other posture position, which might then help you engage your glutes better in different lunges, different squats, different positions elsewhere. Okay. But think about different postures and positions when you do movements. And that even comes back to just simply changing up exactly the variation of a move you use. We think of, you know, two leg deadlift or single leg deadlift, but there's so much room for variety in there. There could be a single leg deadlift where you're using a slider. So you have a little bit more stability. There could be an 80, 20 deadlift where you still have the other toe down, but 80% of your weight is one, one side. There could be a single leg deadlift where you have the back leg up on a bench. So it's not fully that balancing move that the other one is right. There's so many ways to vary that single leg deadlift and create that different progression, uh, from the two leg variation, but even the range of motion you're working through as well, you know, again, this all goes back to those postures positions of the same basic movement, but you can take that split squat and raise your front foot up. You can take that split squat and raise your back foot up, which is usually the balance lunge or Bulgarian split squat. But by changing the range of motion, you can make it move harder. Or if you can't yet fully control the range of motion to do a split squat, dropping your knee all the way down to the ground, maybe you put a block to be able to control it down to that block and slowly lo lower that block as you become more mobile and stronger through that full range of motion. But you can use range of motion to progress moves to create that difference. We have to stop looking at it as it's like we can 
only make it move harder by clear progression in weights and see that sometimes the same but different can really add up. Not to mention there's so many ways to tweak the things we're currently doing over having to go search for a completely new plan, a completely new workout design, a completely new best move out there, as sexy and tempting as it is to try and find one. There probably isn't one and the best move is based on what you need right now. But you don't need to go search for something big and new and life altering. It's often these little 1% changes to what we're currently doing that really add up. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Fitness Hacks podcast. Remember to think in terms of those 1% improvements based on what you're doing currently. Don't shoot for some ideal, even as excited as you could be about starting a new program. Really focus on assessing who and what you are and what you're doing right now to make those small changes so that you can see that discipline really being built over having to rely on willpower and self-control because ultimately that's what sets us back and makes us feel like we're starting over. But in order to do this in terms of the tactics and actions that you take, you need to first assess your mindset and really step back and realize when you get that all or nothing attitude, how much those 1% improvements are truly valuable.